We now return to that same pub in Adelaide, Australia, with those same two Aussie blokes 70 years later. Hey, Tony. Hey, what's up there, baby? Looks like you owe me $25. Well, why in the heck would I owe you $25, mate? They're not ever going to find that Somerton man killer, and you know it. Well, uh, I got some inside information that you don't know about, and I'll go double or nothing on that. Oh, yeah? That's right. Well, I just caught wind that uh, Dawn of Mantis podcast was on the case. Ah, okay. So that'll be two 20s and a 10. (laughs) I heard he was a commie. Quiet your mind. Ever since the Earth has circled the sun, there have been fantastic tales of wonder and mystery that the faint of heart dare not discuss. But two brave, uninformed souls have the brass to tackle every extraordinary happenstance from the modern age to the dawn of Mantis. Yeah, rock the vote. (laughs) We are here on election night, been terrible elections. We won't talk about politics very much, but uh, yes, I voted. Yeah, and I I didn't vote. I'm sorry. Uh, He'll he'll get it next time. Yes. So, uh... Yeah, so we're back on Summerton, man. Anything happen over the week that is of note? Uh, no. I got something. What do you got? Um, and you know this, but the rest of the people do not know this. Um, in my possession, in my living room right now, I'm not much of a bragger, but here I go. I have an original 1980-something Castle Gray Skull yes. by the power of Gray Skull. <laughs> so, spoiler alert: we're going to do a uh, Donna Mantis Masters of the Universe. So, if you don't like that one, you can skip that one. Uh, if you don't like that topic, but um, it was a big part of both of our childhoods. Yes, um, and we need to talk about it. Yeah, in the worst way. Yeah, and so that's coming up. Maybe not next, but it's in the future. Yeah, it's coming up in the future. Yeah. So, uh, you know, what do you remember? You, you know what. Which maybe one of your favorite characters, just kind of a little spoiler, like a little taste. I would have to say that I identify most with Prince Adam. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Prince Adam, I will say this. He is incredibly ripped for being kind of a weak guy. Uh, Well, he never really acts weak. He's just kind of got a feminine voice. He's sensitive. He is sensitive. But strong. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like every girl's dream. Oh, it is. Yeah. Sensitive, but strong. Well, some. (laughs) I have noticed I've kind of got that rekindling fire against, uh, you know, the bad boy. Um, You know, I won't give any specific examples, but recently there were some cases where, uh, well, kind of more personally, but we kind of had a little run in with uh, um, one of those women that just likes the the bad boy you know like oh yeah and yeah. and they they just they're uncurable yeah it's it's you know it's almost like they treat me bad uh, and that's so attractive <laughs> you know why is it it seems like almost every girl goes through that phase usually when yeah. they're like a teenager it's like you know well it's a it's a really cliche movie premise where the well, look at like uh, Pretty in Pink, where the there you know there's a, there's a sensitive dude that really sure. likes her and he's super nice, yeah. And she's like, oh, you're like a brother to me, yeah. But she likes the guy that rides in on his motorcycle and he's like, whatever, get on the back and not. I don't give a crap. Yeah. And she's like, oh my god, well, I just love you. So if if I were if I were to get scientific about this, I might say 
that maybe a woman would would be attracted to that because they would feel like she they would have a strong mate that could you know take care of the lion outside the door. There you, you know? go. <clears throat> so yeah. uh, the sensitive guys I'm gonna be like, okay, lion, <laughs> could you please go away? <laughs> you're bro- cro- you're crocheting. We're crocheting in here. We're, you're really bringing up the stress levels in here right now. Yeah, and it's like just bringing the energy down in the room. It's totally bad mojo. Don't you hate that room. when people up talk? Like literally at the end of every sentence, it kind of comes up for some reason. Yeah, I know, I, I do. You have to stop doing that immediately. But this is coming from the guy who says like and you know. Oh, me too. I yeah. literally use those like, as like you know. as periods at the end yeah. of every sentence. So yeah. I apologize, and I don't yeah. have any room to talk. Like, but anyway, totally. So yeah. anyway, that's that's enough of that. Look, back to Summerton man. We we kind of we uh, kind of left on a cliffhanger. The last thing I remember was the note that went. It was the little slip of paper that joined the book, and they yeah. were trying to decode that message, and they still haven't really decoded it. Really, um, that's very intriguing. Yeah, yeah. They, I, you know, after like I think I'm going to talk about it a little bit more, but after I think six years or so of trying to decode it, uh, popular opinion now is I think someone was just doodling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is not mysterious or sexy yeah. or anything, but you know. That's it's, true. Uh, just kind of uh, the truth. Sometimes it's just not really uh, there was that a, interesting. There was one of the serial <clears throat> killer messages, and it might have been it might have been uh, Zodiac or something. But I was watching a show, and basically this guy for the FBI said one thing that's never mentioned is this guy's just crazy, and he's just putting random stuff down. So like, <laughs> like everyone's hanging on every word he's saying, like <laughs> like some kind of the fall of midnight on this this and this. It's like it might mean nothing, right? We need to you know, brace ourselves yeah. for, for that. But anyway, I, I thought that was kind of, I've never really heard anyone do that before. Sometimes it's just theatrics. Yeah, that's <clears> right. <throat> Did you read that text? I don't know if you responded or not, but earlier today I sent you that text about the commercial that I saw. Uh-uh, I guess I didn't see Oh it. my God. So I, I, you know, I came home to stay with the baby for a little while. Uh, and I was watching daytime tele. It was just kind of already on because my mother-in-law had been watching Days of Our Lives or something, right? And so yeah. she's out of the room. She's she's left. She's gone home. And me and the baby. And I'm playing with the baby, so I just kind of leave. The soap opera's going. Well, daytime TV commercials, just like on your local networks, the commercials can sometimes be great. Mm-hmm. You know, just think back like it's a guy in an oversized cowboy hat, like, I'm Crazy Bob down here at Bob's Cadillac, and we're giving him away, you know, and he's shooting <laughs> pistols and stuff. It's those kind of commercials. Well, a commercial for a mega church came on. And, you know, they have those wacky, whaley, inflatable tube arm. Oh, go? yeah. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Okay, yeah. So it was a, a clip from a sermon, and this was in all seriousness. Yeah, I, I've seen this. You've seen this? Yes, I have, but go ahead. The wacky inflatable flailing arm tube man is red and uh-huh. is, suppo- is the devil. Well, it's he's like everything bad. Like uh, yes, yeah. But go ahead, go ahead. And the, <laughs> <laughs> the preacher, the preacher's standing next to him, and he has a Bible, and he's like, "Be gone, bad credit. Be gone, job loss." And as every but it always pops back up. Yeah, every time he says "be gone," he hits the the tube man. <laughs> yeah, and the whole message is basically. Your troubles will keep popping back up um, unless, until you unplug them. Until yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, unless you give enough money. Yeah, that's right. <coughs> yeah, that's a whole nother thing. Now, now, so let's step aside a little bit. If you were at a church and you felt 100% positive that 
that was going into the building fund. And, and there are a lot of churches that happens to, and, and they feel good because they give money in their office. And they also like, like and have they, soup they, kitchens they, and yeah, feed the and, poor. And, and, and we yeah. got, we have a lot of churches in our town that do some awesome things yeah. for families and, um, back to school kids and, you know, kids in general, but some of those big churches, eh, you know, they're getting, uh, man, that's no, no. They've, been, they've been exposed. I mean, it's, it's, Pretty crazy. Oh yeah, there was, uh, and I, I will get to Summerton Man, I promise. But there is a beautiful clip. It's it's uh, from the Stephen Colbert show, mm-hmm. uh, where I think it's just called Churches. Stephen Colbert Churches, and he just does this little piece on the big mega churches, mm-hmm. uh, and it's on YouTube. And there's a preacher behind the pulpit bragging about his uh, private jets. Mm-hmm. You just have to watch it to believe yeah. it. But he goes, I, you know what I did the other day? I went out and bought a C10 Cessna, blah, 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 you know, $11 million paid cash. Yeah. And then he's like, it was quiet. And he's like, I think it's a little too quiet. I think everyone here should show a little appreciation. Appreciate someone else's blessings. Don't be jealous. And then some people clap. And then he's like, then the other day, that one wasn't big enough. So I went out and bought a bigger one for $25 million cash. Can I get an amen? And I'm just... That happened. Like, yeah. that happened. That happened. That is, that was at a church service. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you don't have to lose your faith. You can lose your faith in that guy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Every, 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 uh, everything has bad actors. I'm not saying all, all pastors are well, like it's that. Just but... a, it's just, it's a very power, it's, it's a very powerful tool that some would use. You know, yeah. Yeah. We can go on. I just wish that someone would have raised their hand in that sermon <laughs> and said, how many people do you think $25 million would have fed or yeah. sent to college or, you know, uh, uh, got in, into housing, affordable housing or anyway, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. No, no, you're, you're <clears throat> preaching to the choir, brother. Yeah. And I guess that's why Joel Olstein has came under so much fire here lately. That, yeah. The mega church dude. But yeah. anyway, uh, yeah. how do we segue that's back into Summerton, man? I bet he went to church. He's been to church. He, I'm sure he was. I'm sure he'd been to church. They found a Bible in his suitcase. They didn't really. I, I, that's a lie. Oh, man. <laughs> there, was, there was one in his room by the uh, place by the Gideons. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, Maybe not in the UK, though. What uh, What religion is... I mean, I know it's the New I Testament. I don't know much about... Or what? The Gideons. Like, who, who are the yeah, Gideons? So it's a group that I think... I don't know much about it. I do know that... It's it's kind of a branch that they think is important to, the to branch spread that out Gideons? there. The branch Gideons? No, 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 not the branch Davidians. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, yeah. Wow, we we love all of you. We all right. We're not so, trying to divide. We're trying to unite. So <coughs> we'll unite you with, with laughter. Yes, maybe that's the only way we know how. So back to Summerton, man. Okay. Uh, if I, I would interject here with a little. You know, previously on Summerton Man. But uh, just listen to the first one. <laughs> what if we did that and it has little clips of us talking? <laughs> it's the same <laughs> thing. It's the same crap. But yeah, go back and listen. to if, if you haven't heard episode one, which would be eight of Summerton Man. Stop the cassette now. Yes. And go back, put it, flip it over, put it on side A, and listen to the last episode. Then come back here and start yes, right, right now. Here. So let's take a minute to go over three professions investigators have suggested Summerton Mann could have had. First, due to his large shoulders, muscular build, and missing teeth, some thought he may have been a boxer at some point. Oh, I thought you were going to say hockey player. Oh, that's a good one, too. Oh, and he had a maple leaf tattoo on his right shoulder. Did you? No. Did he really? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Golly. 
curse the Bible, not the maple leaf. I know. Okay, I'll stop doing that. I'll throw out a fact and then I'll take it back. Do your eyes lit up like, we just broke this case wide open. Although to me, this sounds unlikely because the coroner noted that his hands were smooth and appeared to have not been used in any manual labor. And you, we've seen like UFC fighters and boxers' hands are just wrecked. Sure. Um, uh, even with, you would think a boxer, maybe not so much because they have those big gloves on, but maybe in sparring. Anyway, usually a boxer. 1948. Yeah, true. I don't know. Heck, in 1948, it was probably bare knuckles. God knows what was going on it back then. It might have been. Yeah. Speaking of, been. you ever <laughs> do you go back and watch anything, anything from the 40s and 50s, the tough man or like mm-hmm. the big strong guy was really just a big barrel chested kind of fat guy that just puffed his chest out some and pulled his pants up high. Yeah. You ever notice that? Yeah. And even the guys that were boxers were kind of had our builds. <laughs> yeah. That's a little weird, isn't I don't it? Know. That's like Jack LaLanne really stood out because he was actually kind of ripped back then. Yeah. But yeah. most like Babe Ruth, yeah, he was like the one of the greatest baseball players. Well, um, even when Tiger Woods um, kind of came on the scene, he was like a really fit golfer. Yeah, and he was playing against kind of a lot of tubby dudes. Yeah, and uh, it's not that way anymore. Um, you know, most people are fairly fit. Yeah, but you know, he's playing against a bunch of guys yeah. with the, you know, I don't know. I thought that was. Well, and so some is like, wait, this guy's actually uh, trying to be physical in the sport and like trying to be fit. Maybe we should all do that. Well, and jo- uh, Daniel Tosh had a great joke uh, when he was talking about uh, Babe Ruth breaking all these records, and and he's like, you know, that only happened because Cubans and Puerto Ricans and Black people ha- weren't allowed to play. Yeah, uh, that's true. If they'd if they'd been in there, it'd been like Babe Ruth would have been like number four hundred and thirty-seven down. Yeah, there's some. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. Oh, yeah. God. But anyway, yeah. So, like I said, most boxers' hands are pretty wrecked and scars and deformities and broken bones. Somerton Man also had a high, very defined calf muscles, along with toes almost grown inward at a point, which uh, led others to suggest uh, that he was a ballet dancer of some sort. Mm. Uh, and then there's all the stenciling equipment that was found in the suitcase, which leads one to believe that he may have worked on a merchant ship or some other profession that required stenciling, which was far more common in the 40s and 50s. Mm. So, yeah, those are the three posited that could have been his uh, could have been his profession. Forgot to mention spy. And, oh yeah, every that's really true. Everyone always puts that forth that he could have been a spy. Yeah. So good on you. I don't know why I didn't add that in. Well, our, our the it was the lady in the bar that I heard it from. Yeah, in the pub. <laughs> oh, so he was specifically a communist spy. Yeah, yeah. She said it on two episodes now. Yeah. So this okay. Let's let's go back and review Jessica Thompson though. I want to talk about her more. She had a verified brief correspondence with Alf Boxall, to whom she gave a copy of the Rubaiyat. Just a few years later. A dead man is found less than two blocks from her home with a piece of a page from the Rubaiyat in his pocket, which when matched to the book it came from was found to contain her unlisted phone number. We've been over this, but Mm -hmm. I want to get into a very interesting theory put forward by University of Adelaide professor, uh, the one I mentioned earlier, Derek Abbott. Jessica Thompson, who was a young unmarried nurse in 1947, uh, didn't marry her husband until a year or two after Summerton Man's body was found. Now, we've already went over all the connections Thompson had to him, but after some investigation, Professor Abbott discovered she had given birth to a baby boy named Robin one year before Summerton Man died. 
Unfortunately, by this time, not only had Jessica Thompson passed away, but her son Robin had also died. But fortunately for Abbott, Robin had had a very public profession, and it was easy to find pictures of him. Do you want to take a guess at what profession? Mm. A ballet dancer. Oh, wow. Mm, I know, right? Uh, the same profession detectives had earlier suggested for Summerton Man. Oh, I know it could be a coincidence, okay. right? But uh, another bit of evidence that is far less likely to be a coincidence, though, 20 million to one, actually was found by a professor of anatomy at the University of Adelaide. He examined images of Somerton Man's ears and found that his, I'm guessing it's Simba, C-Y-M-B-A, it's the upper ear hollow. Simba. It's larger than his C-A-V-U-M, cavum. Let's just call that cavum, and that's the lower ear hollow. Now, that feature is possessed by only one or two of the uh, Caucasian population. In May of 2009, Abbott consulted with dental experts who concluded that the Somerton man also had hypodontia, and that's a rare genetic or very rare genetic disorder, of both lateral incisors, a feature present in only 2% of the general population. In June 2010, Abbott obtained a photograph of Jessica Thompson's oldest son, Robin, which clearly showed that he, like the unknown man, had not only a larger Simba than Cavum in this ear, mm-hmm. but also had hypodontia. The chance that this was a coincidence has been estimated at between 1 in 10 million and 1 in 20 million. So Jessica Thompson, who we've already connected to Summerton Man in all these different ways, mm. but denies that she knew him before, but her own daughter later said, I think mother did, and she told me she lied to the police and stuff. The year before Summerton Man died, she had this boy who they share these two traits that are each like one in 10 to 20 million. It's just all. Yeah. I really like Jessica Have Thompson. Found for, him? Uh, the, the man that her son, yeah. her son had passed away. Okay. Her son had passed away. He was only like 50 something. Okay. But so by the time Derek Abbott had put this all together and stuff, the son had been dead for a few years. But they could probably, if they needed to, they could probably zoom in DNA and they could find that out for sure. I'm glad you asked that. As far as DNA goes, Abbott did eventually manage to track down a living relative of Jessica Thompson, her granddaughter, uh, Robin's daughter, Rachel. After long hours uh, talking about the case, the two actually, and this is true, it kind of seems like the plot of a cheesy romantic comedy or something, but... They actually fell in love, and as of right now, they are married with three kids. Mm. So he could possibly be married to Summerton Man's granddaughter, for all he knows. That's what he's trying to find out. He still investigates the case, has since talked about how strange it is knowing he uh, has children that could potentially be Summerton Man's great-grandkids. I apologize, great-grandkids. And he's still intent on finding out uh, that the the case of the DNA. Okay, so he's, he's petitioned twice to have Summerton Man exhumed so that his DNA could be tested and compared to his wife's. Both times, Australian authorities said no, so he went looking Nay. elsewhere. Yeah, that's that. Noi. That's, they kind of go, noi. That's how they said it. Oh. Okay. It's like oi on the end. You ever notice oh, that? No. Noi. All right. Anyway. <laughs> no. I, I took some Australian dialect classes from <laughs> last time to now. I'm very impressed. But he, you know, so the, the plaster cast that they made of Summerton Man's head, mm-hmm. he actually found three hairs still in good enough shape in that cast uh. to pull DNA from. So he did that. 
A full DNA profile of Summerton Man is expected early next year. Oh, man. It's I like know. A, it's like a movie. we got to wait for it. It's I like know. Avengers. I know. Infinity War Part 2. <laughs> Dang it. When are we going to... we got to get Thanos. I, re- I really wish I had a an update on that, but I know because I was like... And it didn't even say... I'm leaving. <laughs> Podcast over. <laughs> Noi. No, hey, we'll, we'll we'll come back. We'll put it on our website. Exactly. Stay tuned. Early next year. That's really not that far away. It's so already November. Why so long? My DNA took like you know six weeks. I have no idea. That is weird. Isn't Amanda it? spit in a cup. <laughs> <laughs> so from what you said earlier, the spy theory. Sure. Let's talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. Uh, Summerton man. I have a theory by the before you. Oh, go, 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 go. So here's what I think. Okay. What better spies you? I mean, you get ballet dancers that travel around and dance in different cities all around, and then you find them, and you're like, "Hey, pick up this info while you're in this city." Like you know, ballet's accepted in Russia. I mean, that's. I mean, that's. Is that where it started? I don't know. So I'm not cultured. I don't know. Let's say for this argument, it did. Well, I'm just thinking of you know, like the Nutcracker. That's that's a Russian ballet. It is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I, think, I so. think that's a thing. Yes. Anyway, so <laughs> what better way to you know? It's I don't know how I know this, but I think I know this. Ready? Yes. I'm 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 fifty percent sure. I'm, <laughs> um, weren't actors and in, in like vaudeville and like weren't some of those some of those people spies? I mean, didn't they? I'm not. It's, I know, like McCarthyism, where they were like, like they, you know, you're you're a communist or whatever. Didn't the FBI have a file on like Charlie? Chaplin? Well, they did, and I think that's bullcrap. But but I I think there might have been. I've some heard kind that of case. before. Yeah. And what better? I like your ballet dancer theory because like like yeah, they just said he was sure. tall, handsome, missing some teeth, but it was teeth that you couldn't see. It was the you know yeah. he could smile and yeah. you'd have no idea. So it, it's not like he's coming at y'all gangly mouth. Mm-hmm. And he was tall, muscular, handsome. He had high calves. Mm-hmm. He probably looked great in those tight pants that, yeah. the, that the ballets dance, dance around in. And he goes from town to town, and he seduces the wives of men in power. Oh, right? Yeah, sure. Right? Yeah. And then as they're lying in bed afterwards, and they're smoking their Chesterfields. Oh, you went all James Bond with it. Yes. But that's cool. Keep going. As they're smoking their Chesterfields, and he's reapplying his hair gel and mm-hmm. combing his hair back. Wow, you're getting detailed. But <laughs> He says... I wonder if there's any information you might know about your husband's work. Yeah. And she says, well, that's an awfully odd thing to ask after a plowing. Yeah. (laughs) Is that 40s vernacular? Yeah. Plowing? You nincompoop. Um, And then then she would spill her guts, you know? No pun pun intended. Tell me about your husband's tie to the uh, Kremlin. Yeah, pillow talk. How how did you know about that? Pillow talk. Well, I know about that now. Yeah. Tell yeah. me you've not been with a girl, and right, you know, as you're kissing, just right before the act, you're like, uh, "Do you have any? Do you have any state secrets you might want yeah. to share?" <laughs> yeah, hey, and, and think about this. So they asked the lady later, Jessica, uh, "Hey, do you have any ties to this guy?" No, I don't have any ties to that guy because I don't want you to kill me or my son. That's his. <laughs> that's his son. Exactly. So that's a, that's a perfect reason not to know him. To act like you didn't know him. See, we just blew this wide open. I mean, that's rock solid. Let's call Robert Stack. <laughs> 1-800-876-5353. <coughs> is he still alive? No. Well, yes. Oh, he is? No, wait. I don't know. 
Well, we either need a cell phone or a Ouija board, but we're calling Robert Stack. (laughs) Are you there? He says yes. He said yes. He got one of them. All right, so let's talk about the spy theories. Many have speculated that due to the post-war atmosphere and the circumstances of his death, Somerton Mann had been a spy. This also was suggested by Jessica Thompson's daughter, Kate. This also brings us back to Thompson's old pal, Alf Boxall, who was reportedly involved in intelligence work during and after World War II. In a 1978 television interview uh, with Stuart Littlemore, he asked Boxall, uh, Mr. Boxall... Okay, I kind of want to say it like he does. Yeah, go ahead. He kind of had that... All right. No, he, we don't do voices on the no. show. <laughs> he kind of had that nasally kind of sharp tone. Go ahead. Mr. Boxall, uh, you'd been working, hadn't you, in an intelligence unit uh, before you'd met this young woman, Jessica Harkness. Did you ask her about that at all? And in uh, reply, Boxall said, No. <laughs> <laughs> and when asked if Harkness could have known Boxall, he replied... Uh, not unless somebody else told her. When Littlemore suggested in the interview that there may have been an espionage connection in the dead man in Adelaide, Boxall replies, It's quite a melodramatic thesis, isn't it? Boxall's Army Service records... <laughs> he was a man of few words. Sure. Boxall's Army Service rec- records suggest that he served initially in the 4th Water Transport Company before being uh, seconded to the North Australia Observer Unit a special operations unit. So I guess he went from water transport company. I mean, I guess the boys need their water. He was a water boy for the, for the army. Is that what that is? That's some high quality. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. Probably. Well, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And that pretty much zips up the, uh, the spy. Yeah. The spy information. So (laughs) it says very little. I mean, I'm hanging by a thread by even bringing this up. But it's something I saw before I left the house. So, on All in the Family, Archie Bunker, oh. <laughs> um, Edith responded to this ad in this magazine, and it was like this couple that wanted to make friends with another couple, and she didn't know that they were swingers. So she, oh my god! So she thought it was like a friendly little thing, so that she'd invite them over. It's a great episode. I've seen it before. So when they got there, you know, Archie, you know, he Archie's fine with it because he doesn't know at first. He thinks they're just, he thinks that too. Like they're just trying to be friendly and the, the girl's real good looking and the guy's real nice. He gives them cigars and they start dancing around and doing all kinds of stuff. But then Archie finally figures it out what they are. And then, you know, of course a, a fight ensues and Archie says, you guys are something like ungodly or something or, or, or um, you know, deviants. And, and the guy's like, no, we're not deviants. We're swingers. <laughs> And he goes, that he goes. That's not what I call. That's not what I call you guys. And he goes, Oh, really? What do you think we are? And he goes, Communists. <laughs> that's what he. <laughs> so to him, swingers are communists. <coughs> oh my god! <laughs> it's just the, the greatest thing. I was like, What's he gonna call them? So anyway, uh, you know, I don't know why I brought that up. Just because I thought it was incredibly funny. I but, thought you were going to say you didn't know they were black until they showed up. You know how Archie was. You know? No, this is yeah, a different episode. But yeah, um, and there's some debate on that show whether uh, or not, like, did he incite you know um, weak-minded people by being weak-minded? I mean, did he like did he like stoke that fire, or did people see him and laugh and think, oh, there are people like that? I think it was probably a little bit of both. I do too. Um, Norman Lear 
dismisses that argument, the creator, you know, he, he basically said, we want you to know that there are good people that have, you know, cruel thoughts and, you know, but they're still good family people. They just have a twisted way to looking at things, you know, anyway. So that's, that could be another podcast. No. Yeah. I mean, my own, my dad, which who was my granddad. Sure. But, uh, I don't fault him. He wasn't racist, but he grew up in a different time. And it's, 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 people look at things so black and white these days and, and we do have a higher standard now. Um, Mm -hmm. but also I think people have gone way over like in some cases I agree. Yeah. Um, but you know, my dad was a good guy and he, I, I watched him have encounters with people of different races and he was perfectly, Mm -hmm. uh, cordial and fine to them. Um, but then he would just say things away from them. That it was just in a different time. I don't know. Yeah. And and I just knew. Uh, I just I don't know. I just knew that some well, things I don't weren't have to... weren't right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just weird. It's 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 how times change. Bill Maher was talking about that the other day on his show, and it's really good. Mm-hmm. He said everyone thinks they're totally up on all the public. Uh, what do you, whatever you call uh, public. Damn it! What's what am I? What's the political correctness? Oh yeah, I don't, yeah. My, I, my brain just totally stalled out there. Yeah, but uh, he said there are things going on now that people in thirty years will be appalled by. Sure, like the factory farming and just all this mm-hmm. stuff that we're fine with. Apparently, I mean, you know, yeah, and it's crazy. He brought up a good point that even twenty years ago there were jokes on Friends that people now cringe at. Yeah, people now literally, if you did it on television now, of course now someone can just tweet something that even could be mistaken as something sexist or racist and their life is over. I mean, it's, yeah. it's the, the, the atmosphere is so volatile right now. It's just insane. But, yeah. uh, I, I, I think of some ways we went too far and then if it's, um, actually had a opposite effect in other ways. So yeah, like, because, because some things were allowed, maybe it was like we went too far. Now it's like a kind of like a snapback. It's whatever. like the pendulum; it'll swing back the other way. Yeah, sure. um, someone was making a good analogy like that with the presidency. They, you know, they said it's why we'll try one thing for four or eight years. Sure. It's like we tried Bush for a few years, and then we wanted the complete opposite—a black Democrat. You know, from it's just the total, yeah. absolute opposite. And then after him, Donald Trump, complete. It's just like, dude. Let's yeah. go somewhere in the middle. Let's not, because if Donald Trump doesn't work, then the next person, what's the total opposite of Donald it's because, Trump? It's because no one can, in, no one can excite the middle. No one can excite the independents enough because they're independent for a reason. Because they know, I think you got a, a good chunk of people that don't get too worked up one way or another. Yeah. And how are you going to get those people to vote and get them to the polls? Um, a good analogy though is this: inaction is louder than voting because you're you're just basically not that you're not voting but you're basically not you're fine with whatever other people say yeah you know so like uh just like i don't know i mean that's just hard to incite it's hard to and i totally understand i used to be like that for a long time like i just didn't ever vote and didn't ever really care and i was just kind of like oh they're both crazy on both sides i don't really care you know i don't know it's tough. It's hard to get the. It's hard to light the fire. Well, <clears throat> and the reason I didn't vote in the midterm elections today, and it just sounds like I mean it's it's not good. It's I'm not trying to condone it, but literally, 
I hardly watch television. Yeah. I, I only listen to podcasts and music. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of shut off from everything happening in the yeah. world. And next thing I knew, I, don't, I didn't even realize it till like last week, yeah. uh, midterm elections. Yeah. And so I'm one of them where I don't want to go in and just pick. Sure. I would have to, I mean, I, th- I think you should know. See, that's what I mean. It's just, I'll be, I've been there for years. It's just hard to, uh, until you get into it, which then you get into it and you're almost, you're, you feel bad that you got into it. Yeah. Because it, it kind of consumes you. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just kind of hard. I mean, you can have like, um, my favorite color is black. My favorite color is white. And it, like the person that doesn't really care about colors is going to be like, I don't care. <laughs> they're not going to be like, I don't care about the favorite color. You know, they're not, right. they're not, why would they? Right. There's right. Nothing, I mean, it's just, it's just hard to get that, that, um, so that's why we swing back and forth because you just, you just have a little bit of those people on, on the, the people in the middle, they're, they're not moved, but then the people on the edge of the middle are moved to the either left or the right. And that's why you got that pendulum, uh, pendulum swing back and forth. Yeah. And then when you're like me in the last election and I'll say it, Gary Johnson all the way. Yeah. I still got his. I like Gary Johnson. I had his sign in my yard. I yeah. donated to him. And yeah. then he didn't know what Aleppo was and it all went straight to hell. Yeah. That's... <laughs> it's like, Gary, I didn't know what it was either, but come on, man. Yeah. But, but he had a lot of great ideas. And I don't know. I just couldn't bring myself to, to go for Trump or Hillary. And no, I, I couldn't either. A Jill Stein and, and would have been good. Now, if I criticize Trump, everyone's like, well, I guess you wanted Hillary. He's like, no. No. Didn't want her either. No. Oh, what'd you want? The third party guy? And I was like, why is that so crazy? Yeah. Why are you trying to act like I'm crazy? I don't like either one of those people, so I'm crazy. Like, so you like one of two people when <laughs> when there's like billions of people on this planet, you're you're crazy. Exactly. You know? And everyone I talked to so many people, I guess before the Aleppo thing, I guess that that blew Gary's chances out of the water. Right? Like he ever had a chance, but still, uh, so many people, so many people would tell me, Well, I would vote for a third party guy, but it's like throwing your vote away. That's right. And I was like, you know, if everyone who said that actually did vote third party. If like 30% of people said that, it would be crazy. Look back in the 90s yeah. at Ross Perot. Yeah. Look what he did. Yeah. He totally upset. Well, of course, that was a bad example because he dropped out of the race. Then he got back in. Then he yeah. dropped out, which was a little odd. Yeah. But uh, man, I, I just, I really would like to see, uh, I would really like to see third party candidates. Bernie could have did a third party. You know what I mean? He had an yeah. opportunity. I don't understand the whole thing with him kind of falling out and then promoting Hillary. That was bizarre. I don't get well, that. Well, it's you know, it's just that's like punting in football. Sometimes you realize you can't get a first down, you got to punt. Yeah. Instead of going for it on fourth and losing everything. So, um, yeah, that was that was that was a bad deal. I, I blame I blame the Democrats for sticking behind her, and then she's a bad candidate. I mean. I mean, well, and Bernie got railroaded. I mean, yeah, that was really, a he planned. Did. He did. That was yep. super shady. There were a lot of people that I think that would have voted for him over Trump. And I do think, you know, I hate to say this because people get mad, but I do think there were Bernie supporters that went for Trump just to kind of, you know, you know, voice their, you know, aggression against Hillary, which, you know, it wouldn't matter because I didn't want Hillary in there anyway. Um, I probably would have taken her over this guy but there were people on both sides that were literally saying i will vote for a smoking horse carcass over hillary or yeah over that's trump. true yeah they would have voted for true. a carton of crowns over trump or yeah. you know yeah. just literally whoever anyone yeah. but whoever yeah but that's the whole two-party so i don't know how do we get into this we oh, said we we're going to talk about well politics. it's midterms so yeah we got to talk about it a little bit 
And so. I, you know, I didn't voice any. I'm not super political. Like I know you're not either. I'm no. I don't like, get too crazy, but there there are certain things that when they start messing with them, you know, it makes me very angry. This stuff they're talking about Social Security. Um, you know, they're kind of hinting around about dipping into that. And even Ronald Reagan himself said when he was in office, if you're if you're if you're boldly on that side, he said Social Security isn't a bargaining chip. It, it's it's you know you pay in, it's supposed to be there. The, it's all in the name yeah. Security. Yeah, all politicians need to know to leave that alone. And people yeah. always kind of hint around about messing with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what else Reagan said? Gorbachev. That's right. Tear down this that's, wall. That's right. Yeah. I remember watching that live on TV. Yeah, I remember that. What was yeah. that, 88, 89 yeah, or probably. something? Probably. I don't know. Probably. Maybe a little, yeah, maybe. Jesus, yeah. we're old. Yeah, that's right. We're so old. Yep. I was a Dukakis guy. No, I really Yeah, was. Michael Dukakis, yeah. taking it back. Wait, I remember 80s. like in very, I was very small, and I, and I don't even remember ever thinking about politics, but there was this kid that came to school, and he was kind of nasally talking kid. Not, we didn't mess with him because we were only like in second or third grade. Or maybe earlier, I can't remember, but he was like, uh, he was a Michael Dukakis guy in, in elementary. <laughs> in elementary? Was, yeah, I do remember him saying, well, Michael <coughs> Michael Dukakis has a lot of good ideas, guys. He just heard his dad say that at the oh, dinner yeah, table. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I was like, just color your paper. <laughs> Let's just, you know, red lost his head, blue lost his shoe. Let's <laughs> just forget about all this politics stuff. Isn't it weird what used to completely knock a candidate out like wasn't it dan quayle that misspelled potato yeah you remember that deal yeah and nobody took him seriously after that yeah okay now let's let's fast forward a little bit howard dean at that at that yeah! rally yeah boom he's out he's out sometimes i watch that clip because it is funny it's beautiful <laughs> but he was out just over doing that well, you wouldn't want somebody insane. And then Gary Johnson out just because he didn't know what Aleppo was. And then who he settled for, though? They didn't apply that same magnifying glass to Trump, who literally is can make fun of uh, disabled people and be like, yeah, I touched her ass and all this. And it, something something get different about this one. That same, mag, that same microscope wasn't applied to Trump that got my guy knocked out. It, it's... Uh, <laughs> It for some reason, and here and this will we'll end on this. Um, but you ever have like a friend that's in a group of friends that's just he he doesn't belong in that group of friends for some reason. I, and if you don't know who that is, it's you. Yeah, it might no. be me. It might be me. It probably was me. <laughs> that's okay. I don't care. But for some reason, is in there. It's like he may be a bitch, but he's my bitch. You know, like. He may be a crazy, but he's my crazy. <laughs> there's always that person's like, you guys hang out with him? It's like, yeah, of course. It's like, that's the guy that jumps off the gym after school and, and you know, like for for $2. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's like, why, why are you friends with him? Like his, you know, I don't know. There's a lot more things we could talk about, but <laughs> there's some, some like people identify with him for some reason. And they want to they want to defend him for some reason. Yeah, and I don't get it. Yeah, I'll never know. get it. Yeah, it may just it might just be they don't want to be wrong, but that's okay. So, Summerton Man. <laughs> I know. What a segue! Just sing the title. <laughs> that's what we're gonna do from now on. <laughs> Masters of the Universe. <clears throat> there we go. Yeah, so we'll bring it back. We got to reel this back in. Let's do it. So there were a ton of false identifications of the Summerton Man corpse 
Literally hundreds of people have came forward to claim they knew the identity of Summerton Man, but none have been too credible. Newspapers would print an article suggesting a possible identity, and the next day that person, very alive and very not Summerton Man, would stroll into the police headquarters and, uh, and you know, set the record straight. E.C. Johnson, a mysterious military man named uh, Solomonson, also, and a vanished woodcutter named Robert Walsh, and H.C. Reynolds. These are all names given to police who claimed it was the dead man's real identity. <clears throat> After his photo was released in the Victorian newspaper, 28 people came forward claiming to know the man. Others thought he was a missing station worker, a worker on a steamship, or possibly from Sweden, but none of those panned out. That would be frustrating being a police officer and you get all this false stuff. Yeah. And then you get somebody that walks in. I'll never get it. Like, I'm the killer. False confessions. Yeah. So bizarre. Now, I... Tell me about how you did it. And and it's they start writing it down and it doesn't match. Yeah. Yeah. First, I took out a knife. And it's like, uh, you do know this guy was shot 12 times, right? Or... Oh, yeah. And then I shot him. (laughs) Or listen to the... Listen to the uh, interrogation... We're going to dip into West Memphis 3. Okay, yeah. Of Jesse Miss Kelly. Yeah. And you will hear the most blatant, ridiculous, just leading, because they'll say, Yeah. Now tell us what time you killed the boys again. Well, uh, they just got out of school. Now, Jesse, you know that's not true. It was dark. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it was about 7 o'clock. Now, but the guys knew it was like, <laughs> let's say 9. And they'll say, yeah. now, Jesse... It was it was after supper. Don't you told you remember that right? Oh yeah, I guess it's about nine o'clock. I mean, it's yeah. it's crazy. Remember? How'd you kill him? Oh well, they strangled him. Now Jesse, now they didn't have any ligature marks. Wasn't that wasn't that just uh, because they told him they could go home? Oh yeah, and of course you know Jesse Miss Kelly has an IQ of like sixty or something. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they just said, look, if you tell us what happened and help us out, and, and get then they made him the primary, and the other two were like. Uh, Damien Eccles was the one oh, that's right. they that's wanted right. his head on a plate. Yeah. He actually got death. Yeah. Uh, he actually was on death row. And then, uh, Miss Kelly and, uh, Jason Baldwin were, I think life, you know, was until that, he did was that. that the one where they, well, that wasn't the one where they found the body in like a, a shallow Creek and it had like a whole bunch of marks on it. Uh, there were three, yeah, the three boys' bodies were found in a shallow Creek in Robin Hood Hills. So they in the marks on it, they figured out were fish. Uh, uh, snapping turtles. Snapping turtles. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And yeah. they were trying to like, they were trying to like say, you know, this thing matches it perfect. Yeah. You know, what was that? I forgot what Well, it was. one was a bite mark and I think another one was a belt, like the yeah, end of a belt, belt that's and right. several yeah. things. Because Terry Hobbs was yeah. the stepfather of one of the kids. And they said, yeah, if you put the belt <clears throat> on sideways, it does match because it has a corner. But so does a so does a friggin snapping turtle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's just. I mean, we. Could, that's that's the one. Yeah, we could go into that. But yeah, if anyone is so inclined, and I would absolutely recommend uh, last podcast on the left, they mm-hmm. did like a three or four part. Oh, series okay, that's cool. On the West Memphis Three, and it's fantastic. Cool. cool. Did they do any Pearl Jam music uh, during it? No. Yeah, because Eddie Vedder. Yeah. No. No, I think they maybe did Metallica music, but oh, no, okay. no Pearl Jam. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So I just got a timeline. Okay, uh, I'm ready. And, and we're going to wrap it up. We've got a timeline and then a couple of last-minute things Excellent. on the case. So then this is just something <clears throat> I whipped up to give a little idea and then maybe help someone make up their mind as to what happened. August mm-hmm. 1945, Jessica Harkness gives Alf Boxall an inscribed copy of the Rubaiyat over drinks at the Clifton Gardens Hotel, Sydney, prior to his being posted overseas on active service. She signs it Jestin. 
All right. October 1946. Jessica Harkness's son, Robin, is conceived. And this is assuming the duration of a normal pregnancy. Late 1946, Harkness moves to Mentone, Victoria, to temporarily live with her parents. The same Melbourne suburb in which Prosper Thompson had established himself uh, with his new wife 10 years before. That probably doesn't apply to anything useful, but early 1947. Or does it? Or dun, dun, dun. You never know. Devil's in the details. Early 1947, Harkness moves to a suburb of Adelaide and changes her name, her surname, to Thompson, the name of her future husband. Now, they'd been seeing each other for whatever reason before they got married, like two years before she was started going by his last name. July 1947, Robin Thompson is born. This is the son who shared the genetic, you know, malfortis, what do you want to call it, with mm-hmm. Summerton Man. Uh, 15th of January 1948, Alf Boxall arrives back in Sydney from his last active duty and his and is discharged from the army in April 1948. July 1948, Prosper Thompson, hire car proprietor of Mosley Street, Glenelg, appears in Adelaide. I only put that in there to to place Prosper Thompson in there at that time. Hmm. Okay. 30th November 1948. And this is where I want to get to. This is where it's going to get good. The Summerton man is presumed to have arrived in Adelaide by train. And this is 8.30 to 10.50 a.m. He buys a ticket for the 10.50 a.m. train to Henley Beach, but does not use it. This ticket was the first sold of only three issued between 6.15 a.m. and 2 p.m. by this particular ticket clerk for Henley Beach train. Between 8.30 and 10.50, there's no satisfactory explanation for what the Summerton man did during these hours. There's no record of station's bathroom facilities being unavailable, no ticket in his pocket to suggest that he had visited the public bathrooms outside the station. Between 11 a.m. and 11.15, he checks his brown suitcase into the station cloakroom. After 11.15, Summerton man buys a 7D bus ticket on a bus that departed at 11.15 a.m. from the south side of the north Terrace, or whatever that word is, in front of the uh, Strathmore Hotel. Um, Seven to eight, various witness sightings of him lying against the wall, the seawall. 10 p.m. to 11 p.m., estimated time that he had eaten the pasty, based on the time of death. Uh, Now we jump to 1st of December, 2 a.m., that is his estimated time of death. The time was estimated by a quick opinion on the state of rigor mortis while the ambulance was in transit. 6.30 a.m., he is found by John Lyons and two men who had ridden up on a horse, along with some other witnesses. 14th January 1949, Adelaide Railway Station finds the brown suitcase and discovers it was Summerton Man's. Uh, June, the piece of paper bearing the inscription, Taman Shud, is found in a concealed fob pocket. Uh, 21st June was the coroner's inquest. 22nd July, a man hands in the copy of the Rubaiyat that he had found. Um, And then they found the unlisted phone number, which belonged to Jessica Harkness. 26th of July, the unlisted phone number discovered, traced to Jessica Harkness, shown the plaster cast by Paul Lawson. She identified that she thought was Alf Boxall. Um, Yeah, going to her diary entries. I don't want to be too, like, dragging this along and making it incredibly... Boring. In 1950s, the Rubaiyat is lost, which is ridiculous. But that happens in cold cases, even though this is only two years later. Yeah, that's strange. That, that's a huge. That's that could yeah. have been the keystone of the uh, March 14th, 1958. The coroner's inquest is continued. 
No new findings are recorded. The inquest has ended with an adjourn- adjournment. Um, 86, 1986, the Summerton man's brown suitcase and contents are destroyed because they are no longer required for evidence. Mm. 1994, Chief Justice of Victoria John Harbor Phillips studies the evidence and concludes that poisoning was due to digitalis. Mm. 26th, April, 1995, Prosper Thompson dies, and then the, the, all the rest... Uh, Jessica Thompson died in 2007. Her son died two years later in 2009. So we come to our conclusion. Mine is, just real quickly. Yeah. uh, I don't think we'll ever know who Summerton Man was, but I think Jessica Thompson maybe not even knew his name, but I think she knew him. You know, I don't think she maybe even knew who he was. Maybe he had showed up with a different name or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I think she knew him. I think I might even go so far as to say that her son may have been Summerton Man's, or maybe I just want that to be the case yeah. because it would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be a reason he had that number. And this is look, and this, then the book. There's got to be. <clears throat> I mean, yeah. Okay, so I, my my preoccupation with Jessica Thompson, the Tamon Should paper matched a book that contained her number. Thompson had given the same book to another man a few years earlier. Summerton Man's body was found two blocks from her home. Witnesses saw someone resembling Summerton Man at her doorstep not long before he died. Her daughter claims Thompson confessed to her that she knew the identity. Thompson's son Robert and Summerton Man shared the genetic traits at the odds of 20 million to one. Her odd reaction to the plaster bust of Summerton Man and her unwillingness to discuss the case and the last huge one that I saved in June, 1945, three years before the death of Summerton man, a 34 year old Singaporean named George Marshall was found dead in Ashton park, Sydney with an open copy of the Rubaiyat on his chest. Ashton park is directly adjacent to the Glifton gardens, exactly where Thompson worked and had given Alf Boxall his copy of the same book two months later. Mm. Wow. Marshall's death is believed to be a suicide by poisoning. He was a brother of David Marshall, who was later to become Singapore's first chief minister. An inquest was held on the 15th of August, 1945. Gwyneth Dorothy Graham testified at the inquest and was found dead 13 days later, uh, days later, sorry, face down, naked in her bath with her wrist slit. Golly. So that's what? There's some kind of shady thing. That's three... Yeah. Guys that were associated with Jessica Harkness. Well, I can't for sure say that the third one was, but he was found directly yeah. where she was, you know, had been associated with at the time. That's that all yeah. with that same book. Now I, I tried to look. That's a Persian it's like an ancient Persian book. The book itself wasn't ancient, I guess. It was the the writings were I think eleventh century or something. Uh-huh. And it was a collection of them and I couldn't really tell how common the book was because I thought if it was a, what if it was a super rare book, it would be even more significant that, that the three were found or was it like chicken soup for the soul where just freaking everywhere you looked, there was a a Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam would just fall out. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's a common book that maybe some ring of like spies had and, and it had some kind of code in there that they used. 
you know? Ooh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. And I know, look, I know probably the last... So it must be true. <coughs> that sounds cool. That's Murphy's Law, right? It's, or yeah. Occam, Occam's Razor. And I, I if apologize. If it sounds cool, it must be true. Is that how that goes? I know the last 10 minutes or 15 minutes of the podcast was super boring because I was no, going to... No, no, I, I was... I was my mind was kind of racing around thinking about this. Well, yeah, thing. I didn't, I wanted to look just in case anyone's listening that really, I mean, some people take this super serious. There was, sure. there was Reddit threads. There was stuff online where people would analyze every syllable of every, I mean, people really, some people really get deep into this Summerton man case. Yeah. And so that last timeline was just something uh, that I'd found, and I added to, I think I added a little bit to it, but I found on a, on, a, on a good website. But I just wanted to add that in in case there was one of those people listening, just yeah, to kind of sure. give everything I could find, sure. even yeah. though it was a little tedious and were, boring. I hope they were eating that up, for sure. Yeah, I, I was I was interested, for sure. I was just kind of taking it in and trying to figure this thing out. Yeah, but it's like if I go more than three minutes without making a joke or doing a stupid voice, I'm like, oh, we're losing them. No, we're no. We're losing them, John. Get them nah, back. Get them back. If we are, we'll never know. It doesn't matter. So, <laughs> yeah. No, I, you know, I, I, I really think there's more to that than just, you know, a random dead guy. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's just, it's just too. And it might be because everything's kind and we mentioned this on the first episode, like, the circumstances of the guy and what he's wearing and stuff. It's so strange to me anyway, just because it's a different time. So that might be why I'm making more of the case than, than maybe there, there is to make of it. But, um, it's very intriguing. So yeah, there's, is, there's something weird there. I think, like I said, on, on the first part of this, it is hard to gauge certain things 70 years after the fact. Yeah. Like, like I had brought up people nowadays are, 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 are like, Whoa, all of his clothing had the, Labels removed, mm-hmm. but then I found articles and I found different things saying that well, that was fairly common back yeah. then because people wore secondhand clothing and and had their initials written in it and they would remove them. So if I don't we know. were a more dishonest <clears throat> podcast, we'd just leave that part out. We would be like, His, the labels were removed. So yeah. there's some evidence for you. We want to be keeping score at home. <laughs> we want to be like that paranormal investigator that actually comes to your house. That you called because your bed shakes every night at 2 a.m., yeah. but we want to be the ones like, well, it's just because of a train. Yeah. And you're like, oh. Yeah, no. No, I don't want to be that guy. I, I love I love the possibility. It's like I've got a poster on my wall, and I've got the T-shirt, the X-Files quote, I want, I want to want believe. To believe. Yeah. And I really do, man. I, I don't want to be the... But then at the same time, I want to believe on, on sufficient evidence. Yeah. I don't want to believe just because... You know, uh, it's just something that I ignore everything except for the confirmation yeah. bias. And yeah, yeah, I don't want to turn a blind eye to something. No. Um, years ago, I did. Like, I'm like, oh man, th- you know, that place is haunted, probably because there's strange noise. <laughs> well, strange noises can be caused by a lot of things, mm-hmm. and ghosts is pretty far down the list. Yeah, I'll tell so, you one thing. This house, and you know this, but I, it was built in. We haven't nailed it down exactly, but eighteen ninety something. So it's a yeah. hundred. It's a hundred and twenty years old. And uh, yeah, you want to talk about? I mean, houses have personalities. Yeah, definitely. Late, you know, at night, and plus we also have a couple of cats. So yeah, like we can hear the piano. Our house could be haunted as hell, and we'd never know it <laughs> because the piano could play. I'd be like, oh, that's just Minnie walking on the piano. The door could shut. I'm like, oh, it's a draft. You know? Some guys like I'm trying to get through to them, but they don't. <laughs> They're not afraid. What do I have to do? Shake chains in here? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> oh, that's just the chains that's we the have. Cats. <laughs> yeah. We should do a seance podcast. Ooh. Welcome to the seance podcast. But let's not do it here. 
Because <laughs> I'm I'm a skeptic, but there's enough in me where I'm just like, you know, that thing where you don't want. See, to, I like that you're freaked out. I That's don't want cool. to open up a portal That's cool. or something. Oh yeah, yeah I've yeah, heard yeah, of that yeah. before. Yeah, so we had a friend one time when I when how old was I? Probably like ten or eleven. He he was older than us. He lived up the road from one of my other friends, and he would say, "Okay, guys, I'm going to lead the séance tonight." <laughs> and and he he'd be like, "Okay, everyone, close your eyes." And we'd close our eyes, and he'd say, "Okay, I want you to op- I want you to think of a gate, and 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 on the count of three, I want that gate to open, and it's mysterious behind it." And we'd be sitting there visualizing a gate. And uh, I remember one of my friends, and I was scared too. I just was too scared to even ask the question. He's like, what if we visualize the gate and we can't get the gate to shut? <laughs> and he goes, you guys are a couple of, you know. He's, <laughs> he's like, we got to have confidence if we want to control the other. Yeah, I just remember this guy. He really laid it on thick and he had all the right answers. He's like, and focus, behind, behind focus that on gate, the gate. Behind that gate is a kiddie pool full of melted butter. And in that butter is Selma Hayek. <laughs> And she's doing the dog paddle. We're like, well, it's 1986. Who's that? <laughs> uh, no, but I, I do remember, you know, him. We opened the gate and then we'd hear noises in the house. Of course, you're going to hear noises in the house. <clears throat> yeah. And we'd be like, hey, we want to stop. And he's like, no. You know, he's like, <laughs> he, he was a very, he would he was a very mean uh, psychic that wouldn't. Well, one of these days, I you know, one of these days, let's do a podcast episode. You know the, man, looking back on it uh, so many years later, it's one of those deals where the further it gets behind me, the more I don't even know what really happened. But uh, the, the house on Hall Hill Road, mm-hmm. I wrote a story about it, but I think we should do a podcast on it. it was basically, long story short... It's the house that I lived in for 14 years of my life. It was a very oh, old house. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, and this is no lie. It Before we lived in it, I mean, back in the 50s or 60s, uh, it was in a completely different spot in a completely different town. And in that town, it had been a, uh, a church. And I found out from the very old man that lived behind us at the time that I think it had some part in moving the home there that uh, my back room was the room where the funerals would be held. Oh, now, man. cut to it could have been an old man messing with a little kid also. I don't know. But he didn't yeah. seem like a BSer to me. Who knows? Could have been, could have not been. But this ta- this little man, house. I just think he's not a very nice dude for doing that. I too. know. Did you know that's what I kept the corpses? <laughs> Sleep well, kid. But no, there was lots of stuff, lots of weird, bizarre stuff happened in that house over yeah, my life. Yeah, Um We should do one on that. And yeah, just... I mean, I've got stuff that happened when I was a kid. And of course, you know... I, I immediately attribute that to like overactive imagination. Yeah, you're so hey, open. You're I'll so... tell you right now, there's this is no joke. I can still see it. Like I, uh, I was probably like six or seven, and and uh, um, we could see planes fly over the house and stuff. And uh, one time, I like looked on a map and I figured out where our house was. And I was like, okay, well, if Santa Claus is gonna come from you know Fayetteville and go here, you know. Well, he'll probably go across this path, so I bet I can see him if I stay up late enough. So I like positioned my window and my bed to where I could stare out the window like late at night, and I saw Santa's sleigh. You're and kidding I, me! I remember seeing it. You're kidding? Yeah, me. <laughs> but it was probably a plane. But I mean, I could almost see him like whipping the 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 nene. Yeah, yeah, no. the, the, the nene. Uh, but I could almost see him like going, "Hey, 
Oh, my God. On Rudolph. On, you know? But I, I remember seeing that, and yeah. it took me years to realize that that was probably just like me wanting to see it, and it happened. Yeah. But I can still visualize what it looked like. I mean, yeah. but it was just like you'd see in a Coke commercial or, or in a TV show or something. Right, right, So, right. I mean, that's very powerful, very, very powerful um, stuff. I mean, yeah. So, yeah. Man. I almost miss being a kid when you I can do too. get legitimately scared. I do too, yeah. Because I'll watch, I love I love horror films and I'll try to, Yeah, I just I want to be scared. I watched the new Halloween and and I just walked out and I was mad. It was, it was, it was stupid. It was. I haven't yeah, seen it. no, it was, I, I, and there's a lot of people that still like it, um, but it was very stupid. But yeah, I just remember being a kid and watching even Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, I like those. And I remember my stepdad saying, you're going to be scared tonight. And I was like, no, I won't. Yeah, but then I would go upstairs in that bedroom all by myself, and and yeah, uh, oh my god, I was so scared. Yeah, like, me too. Anytime, any little, yeah, I'd be like, Ugh. oh, I remember that. Just like, yeah, eyes the, as white the, as saucers. The, the the heater or something would almost sound like footsteps when it oh was coming god. on and stuff. Yeah, I was like, any moment now, there's gonna be like Michael Myers standing in my doorway. <laughs> um, I do. I watched all those movies. I had two old, older sisters, and they let me watch them. You know, Friday the Thirteenth, Jason, Freddy. Um, so, and I've probably even told the story on the podcast. I've told it so much, but I just, it's a great, it, I, I love to think about it. So like, if I couldn't sleep, my mom would come in there and be, you know, I'd cry and oh, I guess I'm, I'm too scared to sleep. You know, <laughs> Something's going to kill me. And she'd say, well, what is it? What are you afraid of? And I'd be like, you know, basically like, why are you so scared all of a sudden? And yeah. I'd be like, uh, Scooby Doo, the ghost on Scooby Doo, because I I didn't want to get my sisters in trouble because I knew oh, you know I want to be cool for them because yeah. they're older than me, and she'd be like, "You're not watching that damn Scooby Doo anymore," <laughs> you know, and it's like, okay, that's good. So, but then that kind of stink because I like Scooby Doo. I even would have got it. a full night's sleep if it weren't for those damn kids yeah. and that dog. I, if she she'd never watched it with me, she said she should have said. Well, they always take off the mask at the end, and you know it's not the it's some guy trying to you know scare people away from the amusement. Old park. man Jenkins. Yeah, yeah, he had everything to gain by this <laughs> park being abandoned. Man, I went to my cousin's house when I was maybe only nine or ten, and I don't know what they were thinking, but they had rented a, a Faces of Death. Oh yeah, I, I remember. And that. I watched. Part of it that before, will mess with your head. Even forever. at the time, like halfway through it, something in my little nine-year-old mind was like, "This is doing irreparable damage." Yeah. Every minute you watch this, you need to not. And I, so I just went to another room. Yeah, but there, that's good. I, I still remember the. I watched maybe like four or five different deaths before I was like. Yeah. And even to this day, I'm almost a 40 year old man. But if I see a video like that, which I don't, I don't look for them. No, I don't. Uh, I won't watch them. Um. But if I happen to see something like that, it makes me feel odd. Yeah. It just makes me feel, I don't know. There was that website, Rotten.com. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. It messed with me for a few <clears throat> days after. And I just, you know, I'm like, why did I do that to myself? I went to that to see Chris Farley's death yeah. photos. Yeah. You know, a lot way back in the day. Yeah. Um, which is weird because if if it's in the context of like true crime, if I'm doing a true, like it's, it's maybe it's all in the context because I, I've seen... Man, there are some horrific photos of Jeffrey Dahmer's victims. Mm -hmm. Like with the head severed, and then he would pose them in these really strange, unnatural positions and tie them that way, and just really awkward. So, but if it's like in the if it's in the context context of a case or something, I'm like, okay, oh well, this one he cut the head off of. Okay, he didn't cut. So the you're almost <laughs> in detective mode, right? <laughs> I guess so, maybe. Like because a detective in a movie is never like 
like blown away by that. That's true, huh? That's true. But, like on the, ooh, I'm going to go do a reference that literally only like 1% of anyone will know. <laughs> but it's like the opening of the commish. Oh. <laughs> where Michael Chiklis is eating that big hoagie while he's reading like a human anatomy book or whatever. You're just in that mode, so it doesn't bother you. I can't believe I brought the commission. <laughs> man, that's a throwback. Yeah, it for is. Sure. I remember that. Yeah. All right. So, hey, man, Summerton Man. Summerton Man. Nobody has a clue. We Yeah, and we talked about it for like 2% of the time, but that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> this is our podcast. We can do what we want. So those, I get that one Aussie owes the other one 50 bucks because he really thought the... He really Page thought the Don and Mantis. Ten. That's right. Okay. Pay well, up, bloke. Yep. That's right. So, sorry. I, I don't think we will have Australian fans. You know. I they, doubt it. Yeah. I doubt it. We're like, screw those goths. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, that's it for Summerton Man, episode eight. Well, really nine. Yeah, episode nine. Yeah, episode Part nine. two, episode nine. Yep, that's right. Okay. There you go. Well, take it easy. Y'all come back now, you hear? Woo-hoo.